startup is a tough road. Don't go into it because, I don't know, you want to get famous or something because it's like, it's totally not worth it. The pain is not worth that, right? So you want to be in it for the right reason. Be ready for it to be a long journey with lots of setbacks. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about Western Australian startup founders who have been there and done it, or are right here and doing it. My name is Steve Elias. And my name is Chris Tan. And before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast in the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'd also like to thank our sponsors. Startup West is produced by Startup News and sponsored by the City of Perth, RSM, Space Cubed, Techon and Curtin University. In this episode, we speak with Intan Oldakovska, co-founder and CEO of Earflow. Hi, Intan. Welcome to Startup West. Can you tell us about your startup business, uh, what it does and how it's going? Thanks so much, Chris, and pleasure to be here. Um, So my startup is called Earflow, and we are creating a non-invasive device for children with chronic ear infections. Um, And basically what happens with these children is that they have an ear infection, there then um, basically it stops this tube that connects their middle ear to their nose um, from basically opening and ventilating their middle ear. And then what happens is that all this fluid and all this gunk ends up in this middle ear um, and basically they can't hear. And so what happens is that over a period of time, sometimes this happens in children like one, two, three-year-olds, and they basically have developmental delay because they can't hear properly. So the our device is basically an at-home treatment. They can use it daily to try and help ventilate that middle ear, um, stops having them having recurring ear infection, um, mm. and basically helps them to hear again. Wow. In turn, that, that's actually absolutely amazing. Um, what was the first idea, I guess? What was the genesis of it, and how did it first come about? And perhaps from there, uh, how's it pivoted since? Yeah. Um, so the um, basically it started when myself and my co-founder, Matt Oldakovsky, was at Stanford. Um, we were doing Stanford Biodesign at that time and we had uh, basically clinical immersion at Stanford Hospital. Um, and he was following um, an ENT pediatric ENT specialist and this is a problem that they see day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a global problem and mm-hmm. some of these children are coming in for their, you know, first, sometimes second, sometimes third ear tube surgery because mm-hmm. these conditions are chronic wow, and okay. it just recurs. Yeah. Um, very common in children, um, one in five children under the age of five have mm-hmm. this condition, you know, all the time um, and up to 90% of children um, have, have difficulties at some point in their life before the age of five. So, um the that's kind of where we saw that problem and the frustration of the parents is usually really traumatic for mm. the parents, really scary, taking your child for their first surgery. They're really young typically, like mm. one, two-year-old. So a lot of them, it was like their last resort, but there was not, no other kind of non-invasive treatment that is available. So that really kind of piqued our interest around this is a huge problem, really affects the pediatric population, Mm. affects their development, Um, huge health economic burden on the healthcare system, um, around $1.8 billion in the US um, and, you know, $100 million in Australia. So um, it kind of has all the sort of um, good clinical unmet need that you want to see to be able to solve the problem. Um, so from the need, uh, we brainstorm a bunch of different solutions. And I think there is already an existing device that can, that has been proven to be able to help this condition, but it doesn't work 
in really young children, that kind of one to five-year-old where the disease is most prevalent. So we essentially kind of use that sort of almost proven technology mm. and create a sippy cup. Um, so basically it's designed like a regular sippy cup that a child might use. So it can really fit in with their daily flow during mealtimes mm. um, and it can be used at home so that the parents are empowered to actually help yeah. treat their children. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of the idea and over time the core idea and the core clinical need is still the same. Yeah. Um, we've just done a lot of refinement around how it fits in the child's um, nose because we've, we've tried it on lots of different kids and they're pretty difficult yeah. to work yeah. with. You know, yeah. they'll throw things. So we've, do, we've oh. done a lot, a lot of refinement and usability testing to make sure that the device works for them, that yeah. it won't break. Um, parents are not going to be frustrated with it and, and that sort of stuff. So I guess if you don't mind, just as a quick extension question, I know you've brought the device with you today and I appreciate the, the listenership can't see it, mm-hmm. but I guess a way to describe it for, for everyone, if, if, if it's possible with what you've got there. Or, in front or do you want to, are you able to use it? Can I just describe it as, as it's happening or is that not? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can use it, but um, because I've got a small nose, my, my co-founder who's, you know, Male yeah. can't use it, it's got a bigger <laughs> nose. Um, but essentially it looks like if you look at it, there's a cup part mm-hmm. that has like a sort of like a, like a spout, yeah. yes. um, that, like a sippy cup kind yeah. of. Like if you imagine a sippy cup, that's what it looks like yeah. from the outside. But there is an electrical component which contains an air pump attached to it. And it also has kind of like a mask that can fit around the child's nose. Mm-hmm. And so essentially as they're drinking from the cup, I can try and demonstrate. Yes, um, basically drinking from the cup yep. like that. As they press their nose into the mask, yes. the air is uh, delivered into their nose, kind of like a really gentle mm-hmm. puff of air into the nose. Um, and we have microcontrols in there to precisely synchronize with their swallowing. Right. So essentially wow. every time they swallow, a really brief, gentle puff of air goes into their nose, opens the eustachian tube mm-hmm. and ventilates the middle ear. Wow. And the idea is that with daily use, yeah. um, you know, morning and night over say two to four weeks, and this is something that we're refining right now through our clinical trial, basically the effusion of this gunk in this ear that's kind of like an earplug can drain um, over that time. So they get immediate treatment that, you know, they don't have to wait for the, the three months that typically they have to wait. Yeah. Um, the parents can do it at home mm. um, and kind of help their children like that. Excellent. I have a one-year-old and um, just listening to this, I'm just like, all right, the more things I know, the better. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can tell you about it offline later. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I guess aside from your difficult cohort, What are uh, some of the challenges um, that you've been facing today? And on the flip side, what are some of the absolute successes that you'd love to gloat about? Yeah, I think the the challenges has been kind of being able to, like we're really focused on being able to make a device that can work with like one-year-old, one to Mm five-year-olds. And they are like literally one of the most difficult cohort, like super distracted, Uh like they do weird things with their nose and their face and their mouth. So that's been kind of really the focus of kind of our challenges to be able to design for these kids. Um, And and also, you know, doing clinical trials in pediatrics, not always the easiest to do the (laughs) startups and getting approval. So that's been sort of challenging, but Mm. we're really committed to this patient cohort. We think it's really important to kind of target them. Our success, our success is because I think we have 
I, I think personally, I think we have really big clinical unmet need, um, very debilitating conditions for these children. We've been really lucky with find, getting non-dilutive grant funding. Yeah. Um, so we've basically just been um, our funding, have, our main funding source have come from non-dilutive grants um, and we've been able to get quite far with our development um, just from non-dilutive funding and just um, some bootstrapping from the founders. So, um, yeah, those are probably the our success and challenges. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> both because of because of pediatric, like mm-hmm. you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of sympathy for pediatric, yeah, but also because okay. it's so damn hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that was going to be one of my next questions to, I guess, for the the readership, sorry, the listenership and the WA startup community about how you funded the business. So it's great to know about the undilutive grant funding. Uh, I guess in turn, and you and Matt, are, we know are serial entrepreneurs, which is terrific. Um, Board of advisors, mentors, you know, people that you you know, reflect upon that, that assist along the way. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. And, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I think this is my, uh, for myself and Matt, this is our first um, startups. We also have our two other co-founders, um, Associate Professor Peter Santamaria, who originally was from Perth, mm-hmm. um, is now at Stanford. He's an ENT surgeon and he is also a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and uh, Steve Cartagage, who's, um, his background is in legal and M&A. Um, so he's, he, you know, with a lot of experience in that space. Um, so we're really lucky that we've got um, – you know, like a strong team, but we also um, definitely rely on um, advisors and definitely kind of um, more specific advisors now. So we leverage, you know, like a US reimbursement consultant, US regulatory consultant, Australian regulatory consultant, because I think medtech is really complex. Um, and, you know, like we, we feel like we know quite a lot, but then ev- every time you sort of research a little bit more, you realize mm-hmm. that there's so much you don't know and yeah. you really need um experienced consultants that have deep knowledge in quite particular sort of areas, even like reimbursement. There's like lots of different types of reimbursement Mm, consultants. So you have to like find the right one. So I think we've definitely been very active in trying to find those people. Um, This year we've also been um, really lucky to be accepted as part of the company accelerator program at Fogarty Innovation. So that's a medtech incubator in Silicon Valley, so in Mountain View. Congrats. Um, Yeah, so and we've so and the reason why uh, myself and Matt's been going to um, San Francisco Bay Area, like this is going to be our third time this year. Um, And they're they're kind of the. they have like lots of mentors internally and they also have connections to lots of advisors. Um, and that's been very, very um, like incredibly helpful because they, I mean, all of them, all of the people that we talked um, we talk to have had four or five medtech startups, you know, exited, failed, like they've seen it all. Um, so it's it's been really incredible to kind of have that mentorship from them. No, that's awesome. What a, what a journey of... Um getting funding and whatnot. Um, yeah. Aside from what you've just told us about, what are some other tips that you've learned from um, from that in, in terms of your journey for funding? Yeah, I think um, uh, being, I think, really um, strategic mm. about where you get funding. So um, luckily now there is um, more and more kind of grants that are around and those types of things. And we're always on the, on the lookout for grants because they're fantastic but they also take a lot of time to prepare. So you want to make sure that you're the right fit mm. um, at the right stage um, and you have the capacity to do it and it's worth it. 
yeah. <laughs> for you. Yeah, of course. Um, so that that's on the grant funding side. Um, and in terms of investment funding, um, we are sort of gearing up towards a seed funding round. Um, and But again, we're kind of being strategic about where do we want to take the company, what kind of burn rate we want to have um, and where we want to, um, what are kind of the stages and the milestones that we want to deliver. Um, because I think obviously as soon as you have investment funding, you have milestones you have to meet. Um, you have to meet. Yes. Um, if you start hiring staff, you have a, a base burn rate that you have to consider. So I think being really strategic about your um, your funding strategy um, I, I think I think is really critical. So I mean, it's still something that there's no right or wrong mm, way to do it. Um, but I think be intentional about it rather than like, oh, everyone says I need to get funding. Let's just get funding now and let's get a million dollars because that's what everyone else raised yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. Like, I think be really strategic about the amount and then thinking about the burn rate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, in turn, what's the direction? What are you trying to achieve in the next, say, three to five years with the development or the growth or the market? Yeah, so um, we've recently been successful in getting um, the W Department of Health Innovation Seed Fund, just going to be another lifeline. So that's um, half a million dollars of funding to basically take our current device that mm-hmm. I've brought here um, to a commercial, ready commercial for launch um, device. Um, so we, and, and kind of preparing for that regulatory submission. So in the next 18 months, we're mm. hoping to enter the market. Right. Um, and in the next three to five years, really, um, you know, being able to grow the, um, you know, the uptake of the device in Australia, US and other jurisdictions and being able to help as many patients as we can. Amazing. That's so cool. Um, Intan, how would you describe the WA local startup scene? Um, really thriving now. And I think, um, yeah, like I think over the last 10 years that I've been in sort of the startup, med tech startup scene specifically, sure. it's definitely grown. There's a lot more courses that are around, um, you know, and so um, I'm also part of the my, the other hat that I wear is um, a co-director of Perth by Design mm-hmm. and I've taken three cohorts from there and I think it's great to see some of the participants um, that have come through there um, really sort of thriving and, and actually getting jobs in the in medtech startups which didn't exist like five years ago. And I think you guys have interviewed Vaintech um, who came through our cohort. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, yeah, in 2019, they were our star team. Like I just knew they were going to go places. Like it was amazing to see that. Um, yeah, but, but definitely um, it's a lot more thriving. People help each other out and there's more funding. I know that funding is still kind of you know there's a little long way to go but there's definitely a lot more around a lot more coaching that is available now compared to you know say five years ago okay and from the wa startup scene what companies or people have impressed you ah this um i mean i like the medtech space um, but that's just because my bias i mean biomedical engineering by background um (laughs) And I think um, don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to call out any kind of particular company because I think everyone, anyone that jumps into being a medtech startup founder is incredibly brave um, because it's such a long journey. Um, and yeah, and I think um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think it's just shout out to all startup founders yeah. and especially the ones that are going into space that is like really tough and not mm. as seemingly lucrative and easy to do <laughs> yeah. as, as like others. And and I think I feel like the med tech startup is kind of in that space where 
there's so much, um, apart from the technology, there's so much complexity in the the way the product gets recommended, distributed, mm-hmm. who pays for it, um, manufacturing, like there's just so much there. So I think, um, yeah, I feel like shout out to my fellow Metech founders. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and what do you think we can do better at? Uh, where are the gaps that you see in, um, I guess, the yeah WA local startup scene? Yeah. Um, I think funding, like really early stage funding mm-hmm. and also mentorship. And I think Again, there's a lot more now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being able to help, especially first-time founders um, and especially in the medtech startup because it's just so complex around the regulatory requirements um, and that kind of stakeholder and the reimbursement, those types of things. I think a lot more mentorship, individual mentorship for those founders, you know, funded so that they don't have to pay consultants um, would, would be great because I think sometimes consultants are great, but I think, um, you know, they're making money as well. So there's sometimes there's like a conflict there. So I think if it was like a kind of like coaching to just specifically help them, I think would be great. Um, and as I said, early stage funding to kind of work out if this is a viable concept or a viable startup, because I think, Often the funding is geared that, you know, you can leverage other funding or they're only kind of given for kind of established Mm. startups, which is great. Um, And I've certainly benefited from that. But um, I think there's there's a lot of people out there that are only just getting started. Um, They don't know how to write good grants. They don't know how to pitch. (laughs) Um, And they might have a really good idea and they're solving a really good need. Um, They just need help to kind of get to a, a, a point where... Firstly, either actually this is not going to work. I should stop working on this. I should work on something else mm. um, or actually get them through and then for them to be able to thrive. Brilliant. Brilliant. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth and Techon. Uh, in Tan, if we may, just to duck dive a little bit more into, I guess, your personal story and, and your journey, uh, can we take you back through your career, I guess, from your school days? Um, where were you, where'd you grow up? Where were you born? And how'd you make your way to WA if you were born elsewhere? Yeah, so um, I was born in Jakarta, Indonesia, um, and I spent my primary school there. I moved to Australia in high school. Um, and so, so coming in into year eight, um, and I've been here ever since. Um, and yeah, and it was actually a really, a big move, um, sort of for me, like, you know, culturally, like, you know, I spoke, you know, limited English at that time. Um, and I think it took a while for me to kind of get, get the hang of, you know, being in, in Australia, connecting to Australian cultures and that sort of stuff. But I think, um, and since, uh, uh, so from high school, um, I actually took a gap year and I did, I was obsessed with being a ballerina when oh, I was right. in high school. Yeah, uh, I took a gap year and thought uh, I'm going to do full-time dance cool. and got into WAPA. Um, and wow. you know, my parents Excellent. were not happy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but you know, I did, I did my stint, realized that being a ballerina is way too hard for me. Um, just super like competitive and all this mm. kind of stuff. So I did engineering, um, at, at UWA. Um, yeah, so I did mechanical engineering at UWA and then after that got a job as a water engineer. So I was designing pump stations for yeah, okay, right. about three years. 
um, until Matt, my co-founder, um, convinced me to start a, P- a PhD at Curtin University where uh, my first medtech startup um, company um, was born, so mm. Rex Ortho. So we, um, so part of my PhD research was to develop a expandable screw to help with um, hip fracture fixation. Right. Um, yeah, and then cool. I guess from there started another startup called Chin Up and now Earflow. Cool, cool. Um, so let's go back to um, school. Um, what high school did you go to and uh, what were your favourite subjects? And also, um, when did you sort of see this sort of leadership entrepreneurial potential? Yeah, so um, so I went to John 23rd College. Yeah. Um, I did the usual sort of math science um, subjects. I was pretty good at it. Um, uh, but yeah, as I said, I think I, I, I did have like kind of, I was doing a lot of ballet on the, on the side and then was like thing to be a ballerina and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did my TR and all that kind of stuff so that I could get into uni. Um, and in terms of um, leadership quality, so my parents have always been really entrepreneurial. So um, as we migrated here, we uh, my parents owned a restaurant um, and and a like a furniture shop. So I was used to work there, you know, all the time, like most kind of I know, Asian immigrant kids do. I hear you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but my dad, um, my mum and dad actually in Indonesia, they started a advertising business. Right. Firstly, just the two of them. So my dad was doing photography, and my mum did you know all the finance and stuff like that. Um, and my dad's sort of like a, you know your typical really charismatic business salesperson. He just, you know, really good at convincing clients and that sort of stuff. So he grew that business to become the biggest Indonesian marketing agency. Amazing. Wow. Um, and over sort of 30 years. Um, and it's now actually merged with a global um, advertising company right. um, in Indonesia. So he's, been, like, I think, I guess in, in the family, the kind of that entrepreneurial yeah. mm. sort of blood's kind of um, in us. So mm. I think I'm kind of used to that from an early age. Awesome. Very good. And um, your, I guess, first job, um, we spoke about school, a little bit of university, your PhD, your first job, what what happened? You know, how did your career wise up to get to where you are today? Yes, yeah, so I think as I said, I was a, um, a, a pump engineer. It was actually a pretty pretty good cushy job. Yeah. If I if I, <laughs> I want to be Pumping honest, water. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like it's a very um, standardized process. You yeah. know, like you know, water in, water out, spec the pump. That's it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think um, it was a big change when I started my PhD. Like it was like starting from scratch. Like learn everything. Everything was like chaos and. Um, you know, like just, you know, research, PhD research and then overlay kind of startup on top of that. Yeah. Um, so it's been um, like there was a lot of learning, steep learning curve for sure right at the beginning. But I think kind of really prepared me and kind of made me realise that I am really passionate about kind of the med tech space mm. and, and like I want to help, be able to help people and at, at scale as well. Um, so I think the medtech startup really kind of provides that outlet of being able to um, identify a really good need that you're really passionate yeah. about and then be able to kind of like, you know, apply our engineering skill to actually create a good solution that the patients want, that the surgeons want, the physicians want, um, and at a cost that is affordable to, mm-hmm. to the healthcare. So I think it's 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 that the complexity and the challenge of the complexity um I think really sort of piqued my interest and also that impact to patients um through that journey of you know research to now 
Excellent. Um, so you're a passionate startup founder. What do you know now that uh, you'd wish you'd known from the very start? Um, I think, um, I guess like if I kind of think back of, you know, being a startup founder, I think um, knowing who to um, talk to and rely rely on um, and I think being able to listen to people um, people's advice, mm. but then also trust your gut. Mm, sure. Um, I think often, um, you know, people love giving advice, which is amazing. Like, you know, the WA startup ecosystem is really great at like people help, happy to help and that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you know your startup best, you know your clinical area best, like you're an expert in that. Um, make sure you listen to others and get, you know, like, you know, obviously market validation and that kind of stuff. But, um, you're it. <laughs> like yeah. you have to ultimately make that decision yeah. um, at the intersection of all the different, um, you know, consultants and and all the different stakeholders that you have to actually manage. Um, so yeah, so I think trusting your gut a little bit more, but whilst still listening to um, you know feedback, I think is really critical. I guess that leads us into our, our last question for this section. What advice would you give other founders? Um, I think make sure that you reflect on why you're, why you want to be in a startup. Um, it's, you know, and I think, you know, most of your, I'm sure most of your, um, speakers have said this, like startup is a tough road. It's not, don't go into it because I don't know, you want to get famous or something because it's like, it's totally not worth it. Like, (laughs) you know, like you, um, like the pain is not (laughs) worth that. Right. So you want to be in it for the right reason. Mm. Um, you know, one being, it could be that you're really passionate about, you know, the problem that you're trying to solve or, or whatever it is, but, but you, you want to make sure that you reflect, um, and know that passion and be, I guess, be ready for it to be a long journey with lots of setbacks, but, um, be resilient to a lot of this. And if you, if you're doing it for the right reason and you do have the passion, you will get there, um, and trust your gut. Authentic sage advice. Thank you, Intan. Yeah, very, very wise. Uh, all right, we're going to jump into the rapid quick fire round. Uh, so I'm going to just shoot the questions out first and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Um, Intan, what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Resilience. <laughs> <laughs> just <good>. keep going. <laughs> if you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being? Free money. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Well, know. like free money for like early stage startups that doesn't have any money and like to make to, so that they can kind of get to like a go, no go. Like mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, we need to be, uh, uh, we need to be courageous to fail, right? Like you need to be willing to fail. Yeah. So, but you have to kind of, you, then you have to be willing to fund something that might fail. Yeah. So, yeah. Free money for any, any VCs out there that wish to give us some free yeah, money. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know that this is not how it works, no. but um, magic wand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely, That's absolutely. Um, who do you most admire in the local tech scene um, or, or med tech scene, company or person? I know before that you didn't want to really name names, and if you still don't, that's fine, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, there's just so many people, right, mm. that um, I think has been amazing. I mean, so maybe personally, um, Kath Giles was yeah. um, 
So when when through our journey with Rex Ortho, she was the first sort of VC. She was an investment manager at the time with Brandon Capital um, and still is a partner, but um, she really believed in our project and she helped me personally so much in terms of just mentoring and having so much time for us and really believing in us. So that's been great. And I still keep in touch with Kath. Obviously, I see, see her kind of, you know, kicking goals with Encorez, which is an amazing yeah. startup and kind of her commitment to the um, medtech startup scene is, is incredible. That's amazing. How can anyone listening help you? So we are just about to um, start our clinical trials. So okay. if you know um, parents or, or children with chronic ear infections uh, with this glue ear condition and they might be interested in trialing our device, get in touch with myself and I can um, give you information to mm, – you know, to hopefully we can treat your child's condition. Brilliant. Awesome. I will, I think I have someone in the community that um, has recently been going through something similar. So I will talk to you after the podcast about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, and absolutely. And, and also kind of, I guess, any any mentors and advisors around this space, obviously it's sure. super always helpful. And free money. And, and free, free money. money. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want free money? <laughs> all right, intern. Um, what do you do to get away from it all um, to r and so I've got two young children, four and nine, um, and they force me to relax on the weekend, which is a good thing because yeah. um, otherwise I'll probably just keep working. Um, apart from that, I do rock climbing. One of the reasons why I've actually got a, a splint on my middle <laughs> finger because I just recently injured my A2 pulley apparently. Okay. If any of the physios out there knows what that means. So yeah, so rock climbing, um, and I've just recently take up ballet again oh, after wow, like nice. a fifteen-year yeah, hiatus. Back to my passion, and I've actually really enjoyed it. Really enjoying uh, doing just like a once a week casual class. Lovely, fantastic. Well, Intan, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. We'd very much love to wish you, Matt, and the Buddy team all the very best uh, for the future and the growth of the, the technology. We'd love to see you in the marketplace eventually. Thank you so much, Steve and Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Intan. Also, thanks to our sponsors, Startup West Podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support of SpaceTube, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you.